Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. What's going on, podcast listeners? Happy Sunday. It's that time of year where Johnny and I like to give you a peek behind our Patreon curtain. This past week, we recorded a bonus episode of our top 10 movies of 2020. It was a great conversation broken down into two parts, and we figured, why the heck not? Let's release our 10 through 6 picks to the general public. It was a great conversation, and it's also a great opportunity for us to shamelessly plug one more time our Patreon. If you like this conversation and you want to hear 5 through 1, just join us on Patreon for a buck a week. You get access to that. You get access to our top fives of actors' performances, bonus reviews of beers and movies. You've heard us talk about it a lot on every show. And it's just a really great way to support our show if you like what we do and you got a few bucks to spare. But even if you don't, I think you'll still really enjoy this conversation. Again, it's six through 10 of our top 10 movies of 2020. Enjoy. So if it's not clear, again, we're talking about our top 10 movies of 2020. We're finally calling it a wrap. We're in April. It's about time. The Oscars are coming up in, I think, about two weeks, uh, two weeks from uh, a couple of days ago. So there's also some beeping outside. I don't know. I gave a disclaimer on Patreon last week because Gianna was doing laundry. Uh, this week, PG&E is doing, uh, I don't know what they're doing. They're doing like new gas lines in my neighborhood. It's been happening for a long time. And they're usually done by now, and they're just not. So if you hear some beeping, that's what's happening. Um, and I think that's my only disclaimer prior to getting started here. Do you Fair have anything enough. you have to get off your chest right away? Um, no, man. I'm stoked on this list. Uh, I literally threw it together this morning and made a bunch of notes in my head. Didn't put anything down. That would have been too professional. Just kind of sure, wanted to, you know, think about these movies and recall them on the fly and give like a natural reaction. Uh, and yeah, we'd given it a little bit of time, like four months into 2021, just to catch up. Like there was yeah. a lot of movies mm-hmm. that we'd been wanting to cover. Because, I mean, a lot of times it's hard for at least me personally to watch movies on my own time outside Mm. of what we're doing for content for the show. Like, it's a situation, like, a lot of times there's just not enough hours in the day and, like, I have to balance content consumption for the show with, like, what my partner wants to watch and, like, what I actually want to watch for pleasure. So uh, there was definitely movies it was hard to catch up on. And, like, looking back at the movies I checked in on Letterboxd, I checked in or I watched... Something like 63 or 73 movies this year. And considering nice. 52 of them were for the show, I was able to sneak right. in like maybe 10 or 15 movies yeah. that I wanted to watch that were just for me. Um, and that's funny kind of quantifying like that, realizing like, wow, like almost all the movies I watch for the show. But I mean, I yeah. would have wanted to watch them anyway. That's why this hobby and this pastime has come to work so well. Um, but yeah, it was nice to have a little bit of extra time to maybe sneak in some that had fallen through the cracks. Uh, the other thing, the other thing, like you could probably take this easy way out too, is because of COVID, like a lot of these releases have been pushed further. Like, like the Oscars are two months later than usual. And accordingly, a lot of movie releases have been late. So like, even, even if we had been on top of it, some of these movies weren't available. Like the father, which we just covered last week in Nomadland a couple weeks before, like we're not around until well into 2021. Yeah. And there's ha- still 2020 movies. It's just a weird, a weird year. You know, it is, it has been. And man, how long were we waiting for Nomadland? That was on both of our radars for so yeah. long. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I'm glad to see that it's on both of our lists today. Me too. What do you think about Chloe Zhao directing uh, an, uh, a Marvel movie? I heard about this. Is it The Immortals? Yeah. Uh, I feel great about it. I think it's I'm a little s- weird. I don't know why she's doing it, but I do trust her as a filmmaker to to do it. Is this like a Guy Ritchie doing Aladdin situation? 
Oh shit. I hope not. Me Although too. again, and I think I said this when we talked about the gentleman, like if Guy Ritchie has to make an Aladdin to get the funding to make the gentleman and Chloe Zhao has to do this Marvel movie to make whatever comes after the writer and Nomadland, then I'll, I'll bite that bullet. I probably won't go see that movie, but you know, I'll yeah. see the next one. Maybe we'll luck out and it'll just be on Disney plus direct. But I also think it's with Kamel Nanjiani, mm. um, who got real ripped for this, like like proper like superhero training. And yeah. I like him. I love in him. his comedic stuff. So I don't know. I actually have high hopes for the Immortals or whatever the hell it's called. Yeah, I'll watch anything. No she idea does. what it's about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, me too. So interesting. Um, what do you? Last thing. Uh, what are you drinking as we're getting going? As um, I know you're sipping something, but these people do not. Yeah, so pretty much every bonus content we record is before the show, and it's like my tradition to drink a, a low-carb vodka or low-carb monster with like a double <laughs> shot of vodka. Yeah, cool, man. Uh, what color are you doing? Is that the, the light blue cans? Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Um, I was going to go drink. Um, you brought me a beer. It must have been three three weeks ago now, maybe. It was this chocolate peanut butter stout um, from a brewery that right now I can't think of. Do you remember? No. All right. Um, anyways... Uh, I was originally going to have kind of what you were having, but with soda water, I was going to have like a vodka soda, but I was out of vodka. Um, so I was like, I'll just drink this eight and a half percent stout. And I opened it and it was like super carbonated and really, really sour. So threw that out. And now I'm drinking a double dry hopped double IPA from Monkish instead. That's called face forwards. Nice. And I just had a sip and it's actually super, super good. Um, again, not your speed, dude. I don't feel bad that I, I don't get to share this with you. Yeah, I don't either. Like if I see you, I'll toss one of those modern yeah. times crispy boys at you. But yeah, yeah. it's. When we buy beer for our personal consumption, it's it's so specific to our desires. It's not even funny. Totally. It's like, yeah, I'm, that's fair. I'm yeah. buying this because I want to, like, I adore this. Like, I was just at Anderson Valley on my way back from um, Fort Bragg this last weekend, and I bought oh, yeah. right. a mixed six-pack, and I just grabbed a bunch of that hazy, sour IPA. The, just the tropical one? Oh, I love that thing. It's so yeah. good. It's like Did I most- tell you I stopped there on my way back? Yeah. Yeah, so I had a few of this. I've got a few down in the garage right now. Nice. That's like that beer is hot, hot fire. Yeah, it's getting just better with the with the weather. Right. Yeah. Exactly. We were just drinking it last night, watching basketball, and I was like, "This belongs to be drank like outside on the river when it's like a hundred degrees outside." Yeah. Yeah. I think Y'all. you are correct there. Well, the stage um, is set. Stage is set. Uh, I don't know how we determine who goes first. Um, we're we're going to be counting down from ten to one, um, and depending on how much we say about each movie, we might break this up into a two parter. Um, it's our show. I don't know what we're going to do. Or we'll I want to talk we'll for just, a long time. Maybe we'll just toss out like an hour long bonus episode because y'all motherfuckers are worth it. Yeah, dude. I, I think my theory is going to be that like since we just talked about The Father, I probably won't spend too much time talking about it. Yeah. Um, but older movies, like ones that we covered almost a year ago, I think probably deserve a little bit more of a revisit. Well, by that logic, let's start with my list. Okay. Uh, so my number 10 is The Father. Yeah. Uh, it's a movie directed by Florian Zeller. We just covered it, episode episode 214. Like I said, that ranks 10th on my list. That actually ranks third on Max's list. Yeah. Um, I feel like the episode's very fresh in everyone's mind. But just to recap, I mean, that's a movie that was so emotional and so intense that I couldn't ignore it on my list. Um, but I think it ranked number 10 just because it's the least likely of all these movies that I would watch again. Um, mm-hmm. we should preface this whole list by saying we have ratings on letterbox that we rank these movies. And a lot yeah. of these move this are my list personally. And I think Max's too, does not fall in line with our ratings on letterbox per se, like specifically just because there is a, a level of happiness or like, I think Max said, um, something that sticks with you or leaves an impact. 
and something sure. that leaves more of an impact, even if it isn't technically maybe a better movie, mm-hmm. might be ranked higher just because of how it felt to us. So yeah, these lists are are highly personal. They're very opinionated, and that's I think that's why you're here. So yeah, uh, sure, for, I hope so. For me, The Father is number ten. It amazing, near perfect movie. Tough watch. Great, great movie though. Uh, why did it rank so high on your list? You know, I yeah, man. It so we yeah, I talked about it last week, and I watched it. And it just really, really hit me. Like something about Anthony Hopkins um, has always been for me. Like, and uh, there's no way to talk about this without kind of just sounding like I'm rehashing what we talked about last week. So bear with me if you've just heard that episode. But um, he just always felt like this really imposing, sort of at times comforting or intimidating or whatever, but a very um, resilient guy. And to see him in this role and the father just completely lose his mind um, over the course of two hours, like, I don't know, it's an incredible performance. And it's it's one of those movies that is true to life. Um, part of the reason I'm not going to revisit it anytime soon is because it does hit too close to home. Um, it's just, and this is kind of in, in my list throughout today, and we'll talk about it, but like a lot of my higher ranking movies are ones that are not too far removed from reality and just have something to say about the state of affairs in our world. Um, and I think the father does that really, really well in a, in a personable way. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's a heavy, heavy watch, man. I own for a glass of whiskey, don't you agree? Well, I don't own all that much, so. <laughs> oh, really? What do you do for a living? Um, I look after other people. Other people? Hmm. Yeah, my job is to help people who need help. <laughs> oh. Sounds like one of those girls you're always trying to dump off a maid here. Must be a difficult job, though, isn't it? I mean, uh, spending all day with one of those. I mean, I couldn't stand it. (laughs) Am I right? (laughs) (laughs) What about you? What did you do for a living? Oh, I was a dancer. Were you? Yes. Dad? What? You were an engineer. What do you know about it? Yes, tap dancing was my specialty. Really? You seem surprised. Yeah, a little bit. Why, don't you believe me? Or you find that difficult to imagine? (laughs) Of course, it's just, I've... I've always loved tap dancing. You really? Wow. I'm still great at it. I'll show you. Hey! <laughs> 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 Jolly good. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I know, I know who she reminds me of. Who? It's Lucy, Lucy, when she was younger. Lucy? Yeah, my other daughter. <laughs> That's right. There's a resemblance, don't you think? Yeah, maybe. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Her unbearable habit of laughing inanely. I had you there, didn't I? So that's my number 10, and that's Max's number three, The Father. Yeah, um, and if, again, if you haven't seen it, it's it's Anthony Hopkins, he has dementia, and his daughter, Anne, is trying to take care of him. And I think it's a nice tie-in to my number 10, which is Dick Johnson is dead. And it's a documentary about a father who was starting to get dementia being taken care of by his daughter <laughs> yeah. and I hadn't made that tie in yet, but uh, that is what it is. It's a Kirsten Johnson, Kirsten Johnson film. Uh, we covered it back on episode 198 and it was this weird. Um, also one of, I think one of our more divisive movies. I really loved it. It was nowhere near your top 10 list. I think it might be closer to your, your bottom 10. If I had to guess, you really didn't like that movie at all. Yeah. Um, but it was this weird pseudo documentary slash fantasy fiction movie. And um, it's on Netflix and it's about her sort of chronicling these years in her dad's life while he still resonates to her as her dad. Um, Her mom, I think, faced dementia also. And then the only footage she had of her was like sort of this out of, uh, you know, not super with it moment. And that's all she had. So sometime in this movie, she says like, I just wanted to capture my dad and like 
have a record of who he was when he was at his best and to show it to my family. And, um, I, it really affected me in, in a touching way, but it's also really tough. I got a lot of really tough watches on my list this year. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know, man, I just thought it was a really charming, um, different way of capturing, uh, you know, a story of a person you love, especially one with dementia. That's one of the things I loved about the father too, was this different approach to telling a story of someone with dementia. Love that about the father and about Dick Johnson is dead. Come back to life. Yes. It's Groundhog Day all over again. The resurrected dad. Yeah, the <laughs> resurrected cool. dad. <laughs> it's not easy dying, though, let me tell you. No, when she told me that part, I went, oh, no. But she said you was coming back. I was like, all right. That's awesome. <laughs> it's, a, it's a comedy. Hey, no. It's a comedy. Well, hope it is. There you go. So your top, your first two so far, uh, well, that we've talked about. Yeah, right. A uh, little, little dark, a little morbid. A little dark. But, uh, and both with dementia. Yeah. Fun. That We're having fun. it. That's fine. <laughs> What's man. your number nine? Uh, so my number nine, uh, not dark, no dementia. Pretty, I mean, pretty lighthearted, really. I'm talking about Onward uh, from Dan Sklanlon, the director. <laughs> I just, hey. I you threw in an extra L. I think it's Scanlon. Oh, it is Scanlon. You're like Sklanlon. <laughs> I was like, man, if that's your last name, just have a different one dude sure but yeah that was the movie that i picked for my number nine it is my pick that i think should win best animated feature at this year's academy awards it won't Mm -hmm. soul's gonna win Uh, that was yeah 100 percent. come on 100 percent. i don't know man my my, we should do we should probably do an oscars prediction bonus episode too but my my money's on wolf walkers or maybe it's just my hopes that's, but I think, no, that's your I think it's got I, a chance. That's your onward. That's what you think should win. But you cannot Pixar juggernaut spearheaded yeah. by Jamie Foxx dealing with the afterlife, like especially in this. Yeah, come on. There's no way that movie doesn't win. Not in a million years. This is about the time last year with respect to how far away we are from the Oscars where you and I started making predictions. And it's when I infamously in my own brain got myself into trouble saying there's no way the Joker or that – um that Joaquin Phoenix would win Best Actor for the Joker, and if I was wrong, I would drink a Four loco. You recall this bet? I'm sure you do. It must have been a highlight of your day. Oh, yeah. Come on. Uh, and I lost, but I'd be willing to put down a little loco action on uh, Best Animated Feature if you want. I'll do it. Okay. Uh, same rules as last time. Whoever is uh, wrong, assuming the other person is right. If we're both wrong, I don't think we both have to drink a Four loco. But yeah. if one of our predictions is right, then the other person has to drink a Four loco, right? So if Onward wins, you drink... Yep. And if okay. Wolf Walkers wins, <laughs> I drink. Okay, let me just write it down so we don't forget. Uh, Max drinks a four loco. Oh, I won't. Okay, forget. I think that's fair. Did um, you just type then... it in as Max drinks a four loco? Are you really just damning yourself in your own notes? Maybe. I'm also trying not to like. I realized typing this while we're putting this episode out is probably not the most interesting thing. So I was trying to type fast, and I, I don't even know if that sentence reads what I want to say, but it's there. We know what it means. <laughs> oh man! All right. So my number nine, like I said, I think it should win the Academy Award. It was uh, an action adventure movie, like D and D undertones about two Elven brothers, basically embarking on a quest to to get their family back together and like resurrect their dad from the dead. You mm-hmm. had you had. Tom Holland and Chris Pratt as the two main characters playing Ian Lightfoot and Barley Lightfoot. And you had Julia Louis-Dreyfus playing Laurel Lightfoot as their mother and a bunch of other people. Uh, I mean, you had Ali Wong, Octavia Spencer. Yeah. Lots lots of voices you recognize in this movie. And I loved it. It really scratched that like 
itch for me of the like all like labyrinthy high like willow like the high fantasy yeah. quest movie i mean lord of the rings in a lot of ways this one was like way more like self-aware in that it was like you know tons of D references and there's yeah. dice everywhere so it just really it catered to a lot of my my childhood nuance and like my my tastes personally so i loved this movie i'm a sucker for animated movies like this uh i mean i see i was just at the ocean hunting for abalone shells just singing away away like just full-on moana Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah this was 2020's moana for me this was my standout animated movie and i loved it so onward that's my number nine hey go griffins what you go to willowdale college oh no this was my dad's lightfoot wilden lightfoot yeah. You're kidding. I went to college with him. Really? <laughs> yeah. Boy, I was so sorry to hear that he passed away. Yeah, thanks. You know, your dad was a great guy. So confident. When he came into a room, people noticed. <laughs> the men wore the ugliest purple socks every single day. What? Why? Hey, that's exactly what we asked. But he was just bold. I always wish I had a little bit of that in me. Yeah. I've never heard any of this about him before. What else do you remember? Dad! Oh, sorry. Gotta get this guy off to school. Hey, it was nice meeting you. Yeah, you too. Yeah, dude. I I also liked Onward, and I'm just connecting these dots now. I never had really sort of the Dungeons & Dragons experience or any, or like Magic the Gathering or any of that. Like, I don't, number one, I didn't understand a lot of those references, so it didn't feel like, um like a nostalgia sort of going home to like my roots kind of thing. Mm. Um, I, I thought it was good, dude. It was, but it was a pretty, as far as like plot and performances go and animation, like nothing really surprised me there. So I don't think it was um, amazing or anything, but I, I do think that part of that sort of callback stuff is, is a really strong point. It sounds like for you at least. Oh, big time. And also uh, Chris Pratt's character, Barley Lightfoot was the last yep. action figure that I bought. Oh, that's right. I think you told me that. That's great. Good for you, man. <laughs> Um, well, Don't say that things, like I'm a puppy with I, cancer. Good for you. No, it is good for you. I mean it. I do uh, mean it. I'm glad you bought an action figure. Oh, like from somebody a bought that movie. <laughs> somebody bought that puppy with cancer a steak. Yeah. Oh, good, oh, good for, for you. Them. Good for good, you, yeah, buddy. Good job. You got a stick. That's nice. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I did play music as a kid. Uh, kind of a lame attempt at a tie-in, but I'm gonna stick with it. Um, so my number nine is Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. It is the adaptation of the August Wilson play by George C. Wolf, um, starring Viola Davis and Chadwick Boseman. They are in the mid-1920s, and the film takes place over the course of an afternoon in a recording studio, um, partially in in the recording studio itself and a little bit in the green room downstairs. Um, and it's a really – number one, it's based on a true story. Ma Rainey is the, the mother of the blues, she was called, and she's really, really famous for recording all these great albums and then standing up to sort of the machine that is the music um, industry. And Chadwick Boseman – plays Levy. He's a trumpet player, kind of younger kid, um, trying to make his way in the world. And the two of them are just kind of bookending this movie with these crazy good performances. Um, it's also notable. This was the last time Chadwick Boseman appeared on screen. Um, and I think he'd actually, he passed away before this movie premiered, but, um, so I think that sort of lends to the impact of this performance. He also looks a little bit like he looks kind of, you know, uh, worn down here. And Johnny, would you remind me, did you watch this? I know we talked about it, and did you watch it yourself or no? I haven't watched it yet. I'm a bad friend. Okay. 
That's all right. I just you're you're only ripping yourself off. I I recommend doing it. Ass in rehearsal. You ain't had nothing to say except yes sir. <laughs> I can say yes sir to whoever I please. What you got to do with it? I know how to handle white folks. I've been handling them for thirty two years. Now you gonna tell me how to do it? Just cause I say yes sir don't mean I'm spooked up by him. I know what I'm doing. Let me handle it my way. Well, go on and handle it then. You know, you always messing with somebody. Always agitate somebody with that old philosophy bullshit you be talking. You stay out of my way about what I do and say. I'm my own person. Just let me alone. All right, all right, Levy, you right. I apologize. Ain't none of my business. You spooked up by the white man. <laughs> all right, see, that's the shit I'm talking about. Y'all back up and leave Levy alone. Oh, come on, Levy. We was all just having fun. Toledo ain't said nothing about you. He ain't said about me. You just taking it all wrong. <laughs> ain't meant nothing by it, Levy. Levy got to be Levy. And you don't need nobody messing with him about the white man. She don't know nothing about me. You don't know, Levy. You don't know nothing about what kind of blood I got, what kind of heart I got beat here. I have a question. Yeah. Um, is this, does this feel like more like the movie that I wanted Billie Holiday to be? Ooh, maybe. I think the problem you'll have with this is that it does feel pretty, um, pretty staged like a play. Like if, if you're okay with, you know how Fences, which was also an August Wilson play felt like a play. Mm-hmm. This has the same vibe. And I, if I remember right, you don't love that. I don't mind that. No, I really, okay. I really don't mind that. Yeah, I think because uh, I was just going through and, and updating my letterbox and what you had said about Billie Holiday or the United States versus Billie Holiday was like that it needed to pick if it was going to be a music biopic, a drama, a weird kind of dark comedy and whatever. Like this has no problem picking its tone. Ma Rainey's doesn't. Like, well, that's good. That's why it's it knows on the exactly list. exactly what it's trying to be. Yeah, totally. Um, and Viola Davis just kills it. She's such an imposing figure. Ma Rainey is like, oh man. And it's so uncomfortable because she, she just says shit like it is. She takes nothing from anybody um, it's a very, very intimidating, powerful character she plays. It, it's, it's great. It's, um, it's a bit stressful. I don't think it's quite a perfect movie, but I rated it. I gave it four and a half out of five on Letterboxd. It's very, very good. So nice. if you haven't had a chance, it is on Netflix. Uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom at my number nine. Fair enough. Uh, I think I might have to just, just, just dive in and watch that. It's, it'd be worth your time. Yeah. It'd be, it'd be fun to catch a follow up with you on, on the regular episode. Totally. I think you said, I'm going to watch it and then get back to you guys sort of thing. Yeah. Like one year later, I'll do it. Yeah, doesn't matter. Okay. <laughs> but it's <laughs> a good, this is a, this is a good reminder, though. I mean, there's so much content in my brain that I need to get yeah. to. Like, yeah, I need a little reminder. I need like a personal assistant just to tell me what to watch at night. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you told me to watch this movie, and I said, "What is it?" And you told me, and I said, "Fuck yeah, I'm gonna watch that like right now." I think I watched it within the hour, uh, and I'm talking about my number eight movie. Burp. No, Possessor. Yeah. The Brandon Cronenberg oh, flick that we covered on episode 199. I told you to watch this. I, I like I got to this movie first. I think this was your suggestion. <laughs> yeah. That's wild to me because we've both seen it. And if anybody else has seen it and you had to put money on who recommended this movie, I think most people that listen to the show would say Johnny. Yeah. That's why it was <laughs> so crazy. I got this text and you're like, dude, this movie's like for you. And I was like, right. Well, no one knows me better than you as far as my my taste in film. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. all right, I'm in. Let's do it. Let's cover it on the show. And sure enough, it was absolutely right up my alley. It is my, what, number eight on the list yeah. of all 2020 movies. Like I said, directed by Brandon Cronenberg, son of the other guy. David. David. David Cronenberg. Cronenberg yeah. Body of, horror, David of Cronenberg. the fly fame. Yeah. That David yeah. Cronenberg. 
Uh, yeah, Possessor follows an agent who works for a secretive organization that uses brain implant technology to inhabit other people's bodies, ultimately driving them to commit assassinations for high-paying clients. Crazy psychological horror, crazy physical body horror, tons of practical effects that are just unsettling and like yeah some of the most unsettling psychological horror and just this movie went deep and dark and grimy and dirty and bloody and just like viscerally unsettling and i could not believe that max recommended it it was Mm. quite possibly like max are you possessed what is going on here i'd like to offer some reminders before we begin After initial binding, you'll be locked in, with no loss of control permitted during this performance. Our completion target is John Parse's dinner function. It's scheduled for the night after tomorrow. Intermediate time will be used to help establish Tate's instability. Dr. Mellis has rated your compatibility at only three days, so there is no room for error. If we have to keep you in longer, damage to your brain will begin at category C which I'm not willing to risk. The implant web will begin to dissolve after five days. Use the calibration device at least once per day. More if you suffer persistent disorientation. Mr. Tate's girlfriend is Ava, not Ava. His irritable bowel syndrome has intensified, so moderate to severe pain in your lower right abdomen will be considered normal. Implant sync with motor memory predicted at 8-1. Coverage for basic workplace with limited verbal. Dude, yeah. It's one of those two that, like, I don't think that I, I don't think I should have liked it, but it, it struck this interesting balance between, like, a Black Mirror episode and a Lovecraft kind of thing. Because mm-hmm. um, so much of the, like, the gooey textured horror stuff is, like, like, it doesn't, I don't know. It's, there's this weird sort of uncanny valley where you can see if you step away from the movie, like if you just put on one of these scenes out of context, you'd be like, well, that looks fake. And like, it looks, looks like somebody's faces, like a wax face is melting. But in the context of the movie, like the creep factor and the tone and everything combined, it's like a masterclass in how to freak people out both uh, with physical effects and just cerebrally, like, like the concepts that they are working with are so fucked up and creative and weird um, also for the record, it's, it's my number 12 of the year. So it didn't quite make the list, but it is really high up there for me. I really, really like that movie. Nice. Most excellent. So yeah, was, it, yeah. uh, I want to say it was my second favorite horror film of the year, but more mm. on that higher up in my list. Yeah. If you guys want to check it out again, it's possessor. It's on Hulu. So stream it there if you'd like. And then if you want to go back and listen, that was on episode 199. Nice. Um, my number eight is a film we covered, uh, just over a year ago at this point on episode, uh, 173. It's called blow the man down. And it was a film directed by two people, Danielle Crudy and Bridget Savage Cole. And it's the story of these uh, two gals that have lived in a town for a long time. Their mother has just died. So everybody comes to the funeral. And then these two girls are kind of left with the estate. And after a night with a, an unfortunate run-in with some vagabond passing through the town, uh, that guy ends up dead. Uh, the girls have to try to cover it up. And slowly but surely, the threads unravel in the uh, weird woven quilt of secrecy that is this town. There's a lot of great performances. Morgan Saylor and Sophie Lowe are the two sisters. Um, but Margot Martindale's in this, June Squibb, Annette O'Toole's, the three of them sort of, O'Toole, sorry, not O'Toole's, um, play sort of the, the like the the giant 
female wheel that keeps this town turning. Like everybody just like, they're like a mafia family. It's so weird. And it's this combo of like sea shanty movie plus neo-noir thriller. And it's a really inventive story. And I loved it so much. Um, it opens with this brilliant, like minute and a half montage of the port. And it's all these sailors singing. And there's some great, like gooey, gross shots of like fish being stabbed through the eye with forks. It, it like really puts the mood where it should be for the rest of the movie. It's, it's, it's fantastic. Come all you young fellows that follow the sea to me way below the man down. Put a vent on your ears and listen to me. Give me some time to blow the man down. On a New England Isle in a good seaport town. To me, to me way below the man down. The fishing pays nicely if you don't drown. Give me some time to blow the man down. Where boys become greenhorns and greens become mates. To me way And if you ain't into fishing, hell, you're in the wrong place. Give me some time to blow the man down. To me way below the man down. Give me some time. You remember seeing this, right? Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was fine. I, I, okay. it, it wasn't my favorite movie. It wasn't good enough to make my list, but I remember enjoying it. Yeah. It's not, I don't think it's everybody's cup of tea for sure. Um, but if you're into like New England coastal sort of like the vibe of the Goonies, but for grownups, yeah. like I think you'll dig Blow the Man Down. Nice. That's my number eight. Good enough. So my number eight. Seven. Yep. Whatever. Yep. Numbers don't care. matter, man. Time's a fucking construct. Another round from Thomas Vinterberg. We covered this bad boy on episode 204. I yeah. mainly wanted to watch it. I think I was the one pushing for this guy. And mm. uh, personally, I'm really glad I did. Uh, I don't know if you remember this, but just a quick refresher. The whole premise is that four friends uh, who are all teachers, they test a theory that uh, their lives will get a ton better if they're always <laughs> like just a little bit drunk. Buzzed. Yeah. Just a little bit buzzed. And I don't know if you've ever heard this podcast, but that's a theory <laughs> that like I'm going to endorse. I might test out. Sure. Like, yeah, okay, sign me up. Let's do it. Let's rip. Let's party. Let's mm -hmm. be a little bit buzzed all the time and see what happens. And, it, you know, we had Mads Mikkelsen really leading the cast with uh, the main character. And then I'm not going to go through the cast too much because there's not really anyone you recognize and there's really not many names I can pronounce. Sorry, yeah, it's, it's worth noting this is like is. one of one of the few uh, foreign films that uh, made – I'm looking at your list right now. I think it's the only one. Yeah. Um, it's a, Yeah, it's a Danish – Thomas Vinterberg is a Danish filmmaker, so – uh, yeah, you're not going to know a lot of these actors. I think, I think it says a lot that Mads Mikkelsen got on board. Yeah, exactly. So not only is my movie more happy than yours, it's also more diverse. Suck it, Perfect. Marty. I don't know if I would call this a happy movie, man. I wasn't unhappy. It had uh, it had a lot of, of real life lessons and some real applications and some serious consequence. Things don't go quite as planned for our group of, of colleagues. And yeah. Uh, some things get sideways, but it was definitely, to me, one of the best movies of the year. It was thought-provoking, and it had kind of a, a foreign sensibility, which was always nice to see Yeah, see things tackled from a different perspective. Uh, and it was just a very unique 
movie. I loved it for its originality. I, I'm a huge Mads Mikkelsen fan, so anything with him in it, I'm going to at least give a chance, but I loved the premise, and for me, it held up, and I enjoyed it thoroughly. So again, that's another round at number seven for me, covered on episode 204. Yeah, man, I remember thinking going into that movie, and I watched it at like 10 a.m., and I knew the premise, and also, we do this show, like you mentioned, like I kind of know the, the um, you know, the slope, what is the word I'm looking for? You know, on like a The slippery slope? Yeah, what's it called when it's like you got an X and a Y axis and then there's a line down the middle? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's whatever that is. Um, there's a point of diminishing returns where like, I, and when you're drinking, it's like, maybe if I just keep drinking more, everything will get better. It's like, they have a lot of merit in their theory for like being buzzed for one thing. But if you, because obviously things escalate and they're like, we're just going to get drunk. And then like things go poorly. I knew that. I watched it at 10 a.m. and I'm like, even knowing all I was like, maybe I'll have a glass of wine with it to put myself in the mood. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't, but what I could have done was like have a double shot of whiskey halfway through and then just be tanked by like noon. But I was smarter than these four teachers combined. Right. So I didn't do that. There you go. <laughs> In addition to all of our wonderful supporters on Patreon, this fun top 10 is brought to you in part by The Handlebar. Right here in Chico, you guys probably know the drill, but if you don't, they're a great craft beer bar and restaurant, and they have a happy hour seven days a week from 2 to 6 p.m. You get a dollar off all of their amazing draft beers. You can also go check out our live bracket. It's there with all the updates for Beer Madness. Go scope it out. Head down to The Handlebar, 2070 East 20th Street, by Best Buy, by Winco, by Tong Fong Lo. Again, Handlebar Chico, 2070 East 20th Street. Go check them out. Um, okay, I'm bringing things back around to more death. Every movie so far of mine, uh, Dick Johnson is dead, has death in the title. Oh my God, Everything's yeah. dealt with death. Um, yeah. And my number seven is no different. It's a film called I'm Thinking of Ending Things. It's a Charlie Kaufman movie we covered on 188. Um, and if you haven't seen it, it's it's a little bit weird for a couple of reasons. I don't want to spoil it because I do think it's worth watching. It's obviously on my list. I think it's a good movie. Um, it's on Netflix, though, and it stars Jesse Buckley and Jesse Plemons, and they are a couple that are going to meet Jesse Plemons' character's family for the first time, and things get a little unusual, Um, and I don't even know how much I can say about it without spoiling anything, so I'll just say um, I really, really loved it. I think Jesse Buckley does a great job of sort of playing this um, uh, confused but confidently confused from scene to scene person, Um, and Jesse Plemons is unsettling as almost always as this character who is, is like sort of crafting his life narrative around what's happening on screen. Yeah. That that probably makes sense. If you've seen the movie probably doesn't, if you haven't. Yeah. But, um, man, I, it's just, it's really, it's one of those that stuck with me. I didn't give it the highest rating. I gave it a a four, an eight out of 10 on the show. Um, but I just always think about this movie. Um, I think it has a lot to say about the failure, the failures or successes or or perceived failures about what it means to be a creative person and, um, how you measure that success or failure. Um, and a lot of that stuff hits close to home for me. So it's, it's not a fun watch either, but I I would watch this one again because I think there's a lot more I would glean from it on a second viewing. I'm visiting Jake's parents for the first time, or I will be when we arrive. Jake, my boyfriend. He hasn't been my boyfriend for very long. It's our first trip together, our first long drive. So it's weird that I'm feeling nostalgic about our relationship, about him, about us. 
I should be excited, looking forward to the first of many. But I'm not. Not at all. I've seen more barns in this drive than I've seen in years, maybe in my life. They all look the same. Some cows, some horses, sheep, fields, and barns. Such a big sky. Feels like I've known Jake longer than I have. What has it been? Uh, a month? Six weeks, maybe seven. I should know exactly. I'll say seven weeks. The assumptions are right. I can feel my We have a real connection. A rare and intense attachment. I've never experienced anything like it. I'm thinking of ending things. Yeah, every movie that you're caping for is like, it's not fun to watch. I know. That's and then you mentioned the lighthouse before we started recording. Like you're like, you liked the lighthouse. And it's like, I didn't like watching the lighthouse. I did love the lighthouse though. But same reason, like, yeah. I mean, we'll talk about this when we talk about um Godzilla versus Kong. Like, fun movie to watch. Yeah. You know? Well, it's just plain old fun to watch. I feel like um you put together a list of objectively speaking, the best movies like constructed best thought out maybe maybe whether or not they were enjoyable or you ever will watch again yeah but i don't i don't necessarily measure my top movies by how enjoyable they are you know like i just think yeah and there's there's some notable good movies miss well there's movies missing from my list like minari greatly made movie is gonna gonna sweep the floor with other movies at the awards ceremonies but like I thought it was pretty good. Like it was pretty enjoyable, but it didn't resonate with me. A lot of these movies do. I just happen to be a person that tends to be resonated by a lot of shitty things. Yeah. <laughs> like I think a lot about death and like people's mortality and obviously success and failure as an artist is a big thing for me. So, so I latch onto these movies that don't necessarily make me feel great, but I do stand by my list. Hmm. I think it's fair reasoning. Yeah. I mean, it's your list. It's just, to me, it's yeah. like, man, I put movies on there that I just liked watching. Like they made me happy. Like, yeah. But, yeah. Know. And we can talk about like the difference of why we watch movies. Obviously you and I watch movies for this show, but when I want to sit down and really watch a movie, like I want to be kind of surprised, maybe even uncomfortable. I want to, I want to have my view on the world challenged, my belief system challenged sometimes. Like I want things that are not, um, popcorn, you know? Mm. So, but again, depending on the day. So when we get to a list like this, like the best of the year, I'm thinking of the movies that stick with me for better or for worse. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes a movie can stick with you because it made you so happy. It's it's just that's absolutely true. There's yeah. such a sliding scale and that's why these are so personal. So yeah. Um, again, anyways, that's, I'm thinking of ending things. We covered it on episode 188 and you can watch it on, uh, on Netflix if you want. Yeah, Johnny, man. what do you have I'm at just, number six? Speaking of feel good movies, <laughs> I just got distracted, man. Like your seven, six, five are like fucking rough. They're all rough. <laughs> my seven, six, five, four, three, two. They're all rough except my number one. <laughs> yeah. Your list is such a fucking bummer. It's a bummer list. I'll give you that. I know. <laughs> I mean, I like you're not wrong that they're great. At least movies. yours is broken up. Like you've got some like you got a good thing coming right now. An objectively enjoyable movie you have at number six. But it was also like really dark at times and it had some that's true some crazy heavy overtones. Uh we're talking about Palm Springs. That was a Max Barbacow film, and that was covered by us in episode one eighty two. I really liked this movie. It had Andy Samberg as one of the main characters alongside Chris, Kristen Milioti. Yeah. 
And the premise, I will refresh you on because it's been a while. Stuck in a time loop, two wedding guests develop a budding romance while living the same day over and over again. So it had the potential to fall into a lot of tropes, like some Groundhog's Day tropes, and just get really dull. This movie was approached in such a unique way and came with such fresh ideas and really great character development over this this day loop. And it just, you were invested so much in these two main characters and who they were as people and like how they kind of collided with each other and then drifted apart and then collided with each other again, uh, all while, while, like I said, repeating the same day. To me, it was just the perfect mix of kind of like weird, like quasi sci-fi with like romantic comedy with like smart millennial like humor. Yeah, I, th- I thought yeah. this movie just struck a fantastic balance of like the comedy to the seriousness and thank God Andy Samberg didn't Andy Samberg all over this, all thing. over this movie. Like yeah. he could That's have, um, yeah. you know, it didn't get taken over by his brand of himself and it, it could have, and if it did, it would have been overshadowed and I think it would have ruined what they had, but instead like probably credit to, to Max Barbaco, the director that it, mm-hmm had such nice balance and it was it was played off as well and as smoothly as it was and also really beautiful movie i mean it was all set you know in that palms obviously joshua tree yeah what what is where is joshua tree is that in california yeah it's socal it's it's kind of near palm springs palm springs is okay yeah cool palm springs i've never known joshua tree is like in the mountains outside of la they call it that because uh those trees only grow above a certain elevation and it's like the only place that they grow yeah, the thing that I really loved about Palm Springs was the, the – and this is what it did different than Groundhog Day or than um, – uh, what is it called? Russian Doll? Russian, Russian Doll? Yeah, Russian Doll. Is that what that show was called? Uh-huh. Um, yeah, or like Happy Death Day is that we get the perspective from another character, which has never happened. Like you get put in the shoes of the – the was it Kristen? Yeah. Kristen the Audi character. You get to see her side of things, which – and in the past, there's been like Phil Connors every day, all day – so to like switch, and I think that's part of the reason we didn't get an oversaturation of Andy Samberg is that we get a little breath of fresh air, which is kind of what this movie was when it came out. Like pandemic was kind of just getting serious and like people were like, okay, this is going to be a minute. And like this movie shows up on Hulu and we're all like, you know what? What wouldn't be the worst thing ever is like being stuck at a resort in a nice temperate area, drinking cocktails at a wedding. Right. Instead, we are stuck in our apartments. I think that's why that movie felt safe to me. We are born lost then we're found but we're all just lost am i right oh my god however in the darkness comes light and it may be frightening and filled with doubt but always remember you are not alone everyone here is your family we are your world and we will cheer you on with delight in our eyes as you achieve your wildest dreams. So raise a glass. We may be born lost, but now you are found. Cheers. Okay, yeah, again, that's Palm Springs. You can see it on Hulu if you want. Um, And if you want to hear us talk about it, episode 182, which brings us to my number six, another real feel-good film, Promising Young Woman, uh, more of a recent addition to our podcast, uh, you know, uh, bibliography, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Anyways, we covered it on episode 208. It's the Emerald Fennell film with uh, Carrie Mulligan and others, including Bo Burnham, Allison Brie, um, Jennifer Coolidge, Laverne Cox, um, with some fun cameos. You can go back and listen to that episode if you want. Um, and I will make the case that this is an enjoyable movie. There's some stuff. Obviously, if you've seen the movie, you know. If you haven't, I won't spoil it, but there's some stuff that is uh, very tough. But overall, I think at the very least, this movie ends with a good message, which is more than I can say, or, or a happy message, rather, a, a hopeful message, which is more than some of the ones on my list. I mean, that's um, fair. But when we talked about it, I was just jazzed to see Carrie Mulligan in a leading role. Mm-hmm. And I think she kills it in this movie. And I think I said this on the episode. I meant pun intended there because she does do presumably some killing at some point. Um, I think Bo Burnham is great. I was basically hooked in this movie when he shows up in a coffee shop and she like spits in his coffee and he drinks it. And that is the start of their romance. Mm-hmm. Why are you working here? Or I didn't mean <laughs> that was rude. I didn't. You didn't mean what am I doing working in a shitty coffee shop? Yeah, no, I just meant, you know, given there's no getting out of this, is there? Nuh-uh. I'm going to leave. Can I leave and then come back and I can do it? I can do it again and be better. You want milk? Pardon? In your coffee? No, but uh, you can spit in it if you want. I, I deserve that. I just spat in your coffee. And they're just both like these weird, depraved people. Um, I just think the performances are great. The message is obviously great, but again, tough. Um, if you haven't seen the movie, she pretends to be drunk at bars because a long time ago, her friend was raped at like a frat party in college. So now she goes out, pretends to be drunk until a quote unquote nice guy tries to take her home, then tries to force himself on her. And then she's like, hey, I am sober. You're in a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. So that's that's troubling. Um, but I think it's done in a really uh, palatable way. The, the film is. Yeah. So you're not wrong. It was, it was a well done movie, really hard to watch, but, um, yeah, really important messages. I, I, you know, I can't say I love that movie cause it's a weird movie to just be like, yo, I love this movie. I'm yeah. such a fan. Yeah. yeah but, right, right. Um, very important. Love movie. Bo Burnham. <laughs> um, right. okay. That one, I think we rented video on demand. It's not available for streaming at this point. I also, Johnny want to throw you the option. We have just covered our first five, our, our 10 through six, um, and we're about 40 minutes in. So I say we uh, leave these folks with a nice teaser and we will drop our five through one next week. What do you think? I think that's fair. We can't give it to them all at once. They can't take it. I don't it. think so either. Um, so I did want to say then one more time, um, if you have thoughts on your top 10 films and you want to send us a quick voicemail or a voice message to our email, um, there's a good chance some of yours will overlap with ours. Uh, and I'd love to drop it in the episode. So if any of those, uh, you won't hear that yet. Well, you'll hear it before the next one comes out. So if any of those were in your top, send us a thing or just send us a voicemail with your top 10 films and list them, whatever you want to do. Or wait until uh, you hear the other episode. Either way. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. But we want to hear them either way. If you like those movies, uh, tell us what you thought. Do you have anything else, sir, before we uh, end part one? Do what you want. It's a free country. All right. We will talk to you next week with one through five of our top 10 films of 2020. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.